Welcome to Distributing Solar. We speak with experts and entrepreneurs working in the off-grid solar industry around the world, bringing to life how distributed solar is changing lives in emerging markets. In this conversation, we speak with Brave Mahoney, General Manager for Sunny Money in Malawi. Sunny Money is the largest seller and distributor of solar lights in Africa and is a social enterprise owned by Solar Aid, an international UK-based charity. We speak about their business model innovations to enable Sunny Money to grow sales in a sustainable and profitable way, how Sunny Money and Solar Aid work together to innovate entrepreneurship in rural remote locations, and the importance of education and Sunny Money's partnership with schools, teachers, and the Ministry of Education. We also speak about how the solar industry has changed in the past decade and how the promise and potential for clean energy shifted Brave's aspirations to work as a medical doctor to now having worked over 10 years in the solar industry. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Brave, thank you so much for joining us on Distributing Solar. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, and thank you for having me on the call. You're based in Malawi and working with Sunny Money. Can you start by telling our listeners about Sunny Money and Solar Aid? It has quite a unique business model in the way it's structured to combine both for-profit and not-for-profit entities. If you could start by just telling us how these two organizations interact, how they work, and what Sunny Money does within Malawi. Right. Solar Aid is a charity organization fully registered in UK. And uh, it exists to combat poverty and climate change in Africa. Solar Aid was formed by Jeremy Legend, who happened to be the founder of uh, a commercial entity in UK called Solar Century. So he committed 5% of the profits that Solar Century makes to contribute towards funding activities of Solar Aid. Now, since we're operating in Africa and we didn't want to use aid as a model of uh, combating poverty and climate change in Africa, instead we opted to use trade. In this case, Sunny Money is a social enterprise and as Sunny Money, we exist to implement the objectives of solar aid through different innovative business models to reach the last mile or rural markets where commercial entities are not interested to join because it's not profitable to operate in these markets. But we do realize that there's still poverty, energy poverty in those areas, and we need to come up with business models that can operate successfully in these last mile markets. So that's why Sunny Money was formed. So I would say we take Solar Aid as our mother organization. It helps financing our operations, but Sunny Money is still an independent entity that is selling solar lights in remote areas using different innovative models. Perfect. Thank you. That's a great introduction. And if you could speak to some of the business models that you implement through Sunny Money, is it right to say that Sunny Money will then sell the solar home systems to customers working in rural last mile communities? And Solar Aid, at least from my understanding of reading some material, will, for example, provide some of the distribution facilities and cover some of the distribution costs. Maybe if you could speak through some of how the business model is structured, that'd be helpful. I would say our business models have evolved with time. When we initially started, that was 2008, we focused much on ourselves going in the market, selling directly to consumers, because at that time, there wasn't enough knowledge about solar technologies. And also the technology themselves were still very expensive. 
So we wanted to solve one problem then, that was consumer education. So our involvement was direct selling as any other retailer. And in this context, you're selling solar home systems or just solar lights, Pico solar appliances? Our focus was mostly solar lights, like Pico solar. And to be honest, at that time, the industry itself was not that developed as it is today. So we didn't really have many choices. Uh, Solar home systems didn't really exist in such a wide variety as it is today. So we started like actually assembling locally using local available resources where we are importing small solar panels and we are making wooden flames locally here and assembling them using like the local guys, the, the youth groups to assemble these solar panels. So when the technology got stronger and more products came on the market, then we moved to fully manufactured products from China. And that changed our model as well, because at that time, our focus was more reaching more people with solar lights. So that's how it has changed, really. Perfect. So it sounds as though as the industry has moved from using Pico solar systems towards solar home systems, you're now also installing solar home systems with your customers. Yes. Now we're also involved in installing solar home systems. And what has also changed a lot is the way we reach out customers. So as I mentioned earlier on that we were initially going out ourselves, then later on we partnered with the Ministry of Education and we started working with all the school head teachers across the country who have been helping us a lot in consumer education but also working with them as a distribution point in remote areas. Both is expensive to operate in these areas. So having strong presence in these regions is very, very important. That's why head teachers were very important to help us in distribution as well as consumer education. And now we are at a level where we are turning those initiatives into independent business units. So instead of us selling solar lights now, we are actually seeding solar businesses. And what we have done is we've broken down the country into 46 business locations and we're seeding one business in each location. And that business, we then sell it to a local investor where we're targeting local small to medium scale entrepreneurs who want to diversify into other businesses. So they should buy that off and we just give them the support to manage and sustain that business in the rural areas. And our effort now is turning more towards innovating new models that can supplement what we have already seeded in these locations and also taking the community up the energy ladder. So that's the level where we are right now. Great. That's really fascinating. And how does the relationship between solar aid and sunny money then work? Do you work directly with your solar aid colleagues? Are they considered separate colleagues or are they all part of the same entity? No, we are the same entity. We're just sharing the responsibilities. So for sunny money, we are more looking into business models, selling of the solar systems, while solar aid is helping with fundraising, bringing in more money to help us innovate or create new business models that then get implemented by Sunny Money. So we are working together, our one team, only that we have got different responsibilities. So in terms of the customer interaction then, historically, when you sold to a customer, would they buy that unit upfront and pay the full price for it? Or was there a part of the solar system that was partially subsidized by SolarAid? How did that relationship work? I would say we can consider solar aid support partly as a subsidy program because, as as I mentioned, that uh, going and selling solar lights in remote areas is very expensive. 
So we are selling the product in the rural areas at the same price that they could get in um, urban centers because of that cushion that we're getting from Sora Aid. So I would say, yes, Sora Aid is helping to subsidize the price to the end user. And for the end user, yes, well, we've been asking them to pay upfront for the systems, thanks to Pairs Ego technology now that has changed. But previously, we used to ask them to pay upfront. Great. So I'd love to talk more about how the business models have changed and this new business model you're looking to implement, because I think that sounds very promising. So is the idea then you would provide solar home systems to local SMEs and local entrepreneurs who want to install the systems for their customers, and then they get a profit for managing that customer relationship and Sunny Money instead plays more of a distributor role? Is that the right way to think about it? I would say, oh, you are very close. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. One of the biggest challenges that we were facing to reach more people is to have sustainable presence in the rural markets. The entrepreneurs, we know that several of them have been trying to invest in a solar business to operate in these rural areas, but those businesses have not succeeded because of cost related to selling in the rural markets, but also you require different set of skills to understand rural markets. I've been doing this for, for the past 10 years. I've gathered like substantial amounts of skills and knowledge about these markets. So what we are doing right now, we're not necessarily asking these entrepreneurs to go themselves and sell, but we are asking them to invest their money in a business that is operating in a rural area. So they become like pure investors. They're not involved in the day-to-day operations of the business. They are just looking at the returns. For us, their money, it gives us some flexibility in our cash flow so that we're able to import more products as sunny money. Of course, uh, solar aid is also helping. But the more we make that business sustainable locally, the better. So these entrepreneurs, they invest in the business. And sunny money, using our team, we manage that business on their behalf. Of course, for them, they cover Sunny Money cost because their business is buying stock from Sunny Money. So we add a bit of a margin there to sustain our own overheads. The operational expenses on the ground are partly subsidized by Sora Ed. So in this way, we are giving that business an enabling environment to operate profitably in the rural community without necessarily heavily subsidizing it. So I'd say it's more of partnership model that we have with the local entrepreneurs. We give the skills, knowledge and resources to run the business. They inject in capital. So by having 46 locations, it means we consolidate all that money as sunny money because they're all affiliated to sunny money. And that money helps us to import a volume of stock. The margins that we make helps us to cover overhead expenses to continue supporting that business in the rural area. Therefore, we don't necessarily need the entrepreneur himself to be heavily involved. We work together in terms of at a higher level. So that is making the strategic decisions, which products to focus on, which markets to go to, and what other products to invest in in the future. And, you know, how can we make this business more profitable? We make those decisions together with the owner or the entrepreneur who has invested in that business. So that's the working relationship that we have. That's really interesting. So it's almost a financing innovation. So you're trying to encourage local investment, local innovation to, to develop the business. Perfect, perfect. I think that's the best summary that we have done there. 
That's a that's a really interesting innovative models because I think we hear a lot about how there's a real need for sub-Saharan Africa to increase the amount of local investment into local companies. And it seems like this is exactly the model that you're looking to build. Exactly. Perfect. Great. And so if we take a step back and think about the relationship you have with your customer then, as I understand previously, you were selling fairly small devices, which would be lower cost. And now you're looking towards selling um, larger solar home systems through a Pago financing model as well. Can you tell us about how that interaction works for the customer? Do they pay a initial deposit for the fee and then have to pay for ongoing payments through mobile money Pago solutions? Do you still need to have people within these villages to collect money on a monthly basis? How does it work? Tell us about that part. Yes, so customers pay a deposit and we give them 6 to 12 months. With bigger systems, we'll go up to 18 months to finish the rest of the cost of the system. And as I mentioned, that we are seeding a business and we are also trying to create employment opportunity within these rural communities where we are operating. So the businesses that we seed, we recruit what we call a sales representative. So this one becomes kind of like a junior manager of the business in the district where we are operating. And this person and the sales representative, we have what we call area agents as well as level one agents. These guys, they interact with the end user directory. So that's managing cash collections, recruitment of new customers, providing after-sales service, point of contact if a customer has some questions, but also even educating customers more about our products. So we have got a team that is running this business in a specific territory, and they do a lot of of that work uh, of managing the payments from the customers and also managing relationship with the customer. Great. And this is out of the four to six locations that you mentioned previously? Is that the right way to think about it? Yes, that's the right way to think about it, yes. And each hub has its own team that is doing selling and after sales service. Great. And has Pago and mobile money made a big difference to your business model? Have you been able to integrate that within your business and customer relationships well? Or are there still areas where you can't have that kind of a payment system because maybe people don't have access to mobile money or aren't as familiar using it? I would say partly mobile money has helped, but there are still some areas where you can't get good connectivity. Mobile penetration is still very low. So there's still like a gap that we need to, to work on. In terms of pay as you go, it has done huge difference in terms of making the products more affordable to more people. There's still a challenge of managing defaulters because Africa, I would say in general, is, I think we still need to adapt to managing debt. So there's sometimes we get some uh, good number of defaulters in some months, especially where we are going towards right now. The, the lean period is coming in where people will switch their focus into farming and buying farming tools and all that. So it becomes tricky around this time for them to manage their payments. So we get those defaulters which uh, affect your cash flows and all that. So I would say there's still some areas where we need to work on to perfect the model, but in general, pay-as-you-go has made substantial contribution towards uh, accelerating energy access and mobile money platforms as well. In some areas, it's doing a fantastic job to make it easy for customers to pay, but also for us to manage cash collections. 
I'd love to hear more about the solar industry in Malawi at the moment. We spoke to Yellow Solar Power a couple of weeks ago, and they described the solar industry within Malawi as still very much in early stages and with about 10% electricity connectivity for the rest of the country. We'd love to hear your overview of the solar industry and how the industry is currently working. Yeah, of course, that's true. The solar industry is still in an early stage. But of course, a significant shift has been observed in the past 10 years. When we started as Sunny Money, as I mentioned earlier on, people didn't even know that a solar panel exists. And we had to educate them on how a solar panel operates. Today, people are more asking, can you provide bigger systems that can also do A, B, C, D, E? So we can see that the knowledge is being gathered amongst the consumers. But sector as a whole, as compared to other countries, we still have a long way to go. So I would say, yes, we're still in the very early stages. There's still a lot of work that we need to do to electrify more people in Malawi. And as a sector, the government also is putting in a lot of effort to accelerate adoption of solar systems in Malawi, or like even improve the sector as a whole. For example, VAT has been removed from the products that we're importing, same as import duty. They have been eliminated. Our policy has been reviewed. So from the political side of view, things are also moving the right direction, but we still have a long way to go. And is it primarily around the import taxes and VAT taxes that you see the most benefit from what the government can do to support uh, solar technologies? Is there anything else that you would like to see the government doing or utility companies doing to support the growth of the solar sector? Yeah, I think it's more on, on consumer education. I think the government has to do more to put in deliberate efforts to change people's uh, mindset towards renewable energy or like solar technologies as one way of key energy sources that they can rely on. Because at the moment, that still remains a big gap in most consumers. They are not aware about other new technologies available. So they can remove all these taxes, we import them, but to actually reach out and sell to a customer, we need to spend more money and time to just educate that customer first before he makes that decision to buy. Others, when they hear about solar, in general, they think about big systems all the time, something that can power, you know, uh, refrigeration, cooking, and all that. And when you go into prices about those systems, then they feel discouraged and going back to normal ways of living. So there's still that knowledge gap that the government has to help a lot. The other area is infrastructure development. As I mentioned earlier on, that energy problems are huge in rural areas and it's very difficult and costly to reach. So if the government can improve on the infrastructure and make it a bit more easy for the companies to reach out to these rural communities, that will uplift the whole sector quite quickly. So I think those are some of the areas that the government can add on. That's really interesting. And around the education piece, is it that some customers know about diesel generators? Are you competing with diesel generators or is it competing with things like biofuels or more bio-based cooking fuels and so on? What what are the competing energy sources that customers are using instead? Yeah, on the high end, it's more like diesel engines. Well, those are pretty much everywhere. Those like mid-income customers, most of them, they have at least a diesel engine or like a genset to power their homes. There's also like a huge use of batteries, lead-acid batteries. People have been using these things for a very long time and to 
shift is taking time. It's also related to cost because they know where they can get these things and they can control cost. They, they, they're they more comfortable uh, with these systems. And solar systems, especially at, at a higher end, the systems are still a bit expensive. So people still prefer those more affordable traditional options of providing energy in, in their homes. So there's still that competition there. On the lower end, Pico Solar and some other home systems, there's an influx of dry cell power torches across the country, and they are very affordable. So people find it easy to be paying very small amounts of money on a regular basis than to pay a little bit more on something that will last longer. Because obviously they have to do split their income between buying energy and buying food, and food has to come first. So they're doing whatever it takes to save as much as they can for important issues like food and spend a little bit less on energy. Therefore, dry cell power torches are more appealing to them. So that those are kind of like two competition levels that we are facing at the moment. Great. And shifting gear to you and your time with Sunny Money, you've been with Sunny Money now for over 10 years, you mentioned. Can you tell us a bit about why you entered the solar industry to begin with? And I'd love to hear more about what you find challenging or enjoyable about your job over the past 10 years. Yeah, first of all, there's, of course, a little bit of a story how I ended up where I am now. Initially, I wanted to become a medical doctor. That was my passion because I wanted just to take part in helping other people when they had problems, especially health problems. So when I met SolarAid, at that time, I was really fascinated when I saw how a small solar panel could help to reduce the use of kerosene lamps because then kerosene was like main source of lighting. And also medically, the impact of the fumes from kerosene lamps, it was quite significant to people's lives. And I thought, if we can eliminate this kerosene lamp and replace it with this solar, basically more people will be breathing clean air And that will mean solving a medical problem from the source rather than from the end when someone is in the hospital. So that triggered my interest to solar. And I spent more time with the solar aid volunteer then, um, David Giruri. I don't know where he is. Uh, I think uh, it's it's worth mentioning his name. I spent more time with him just to understand more of what uh, solar aid is trying to achieve and how it could be made possible in Malawi and what other resources they would need. And having passionate people who really want to take this forward was one of the critical aspects of the whole model that they brought in. So I, I was like, I think this is very interesting. Um, the challenging part now was I also got offered to, to join a medical school to pursue my career. So I had to make that decision either to go to school or to start something that I had no idea where it would be in the next 10 years. But um, I was more inspired by the impact. So I thought I'll quit my medical career and do the same thing, but in a different context. That is helping this organization to succeed and reach more people with clean energy. And that's how actually I got much inspired to join Sora Aid. So since then, I started studying more of like business management with the local university and tried to shape myself to understand more about business modeling and how we can turn that idea into a sustainable business model and reach more people with green energy. So that's how my journey started. And today I'm the general manager for Sunny Money. I'm continuing with the same passion to see how I can do more 
So that's my journey. That's how I ended up. That's a great background. And I think speaks to the power and the potential that we see in clean energy for you to shift your goals from a medical doctor career to a clean energy career. And what do you like most about your job? And what do you find most challenging about your job? I would say it's more of seeing people smile that now they have moved into something which is clean and that is durable and they can have it for a long time. People want to have durable stuff and Sunny Money is committed to sell high quality solar products and participating in that process of importing and actually being on the ground, finally selling it to a consumer and them seeing the difference of moving from what they used to do to a new technology. And that inspires me and it pushes me to continue doing this over a long time. Challenges are there. It's a a sector which is just developing. There are lots of unknown circumstances and you face new challenges every day ranging all the way from the managing people, finding the right people who understand the concepts and the model and to groom them to a level where they have the same passion and to be able to deliver on the ground. Um, and also importation of these products that are coming from China and timely to bring them to Malawi. That's a big, big challenge to manage our cash flow so that we have got stock all the time. And financing part of it as well is a sector where most of the investors are not comfortable with. Even banks can't give us a loan to comfortably service our activities because they are not conversant with the risks that they're taking. It's a new sector, it's a new industry. So there are kind of like quite a variety of challenges that come along as well. And around that piece around financing the devices and financing the assets, you mentioned the new business model that you're looking towards where you're looking to bring in local investors and local entrepreneurs who would like to invest in solar and solar companies. But how have you historically been able to raise the financing to purchase the assets that you have been installing? Is that through debt financing, local banks, foreign banks? No, it has been mostly grants. Uh, That's where having solar aid has been very, very useful. It has helped us to solve that big problem of financing. And uh, at the moment, in long term, we're looking at having an innovative financing system within the country. So we are working with the Global Distributors Collective. Uh, We are setting up what we call Financing Energy Business Cooperative. It will operate as a circle. And all the entrepreneurs who have invested in energy businesses will be members of this circle. That will mean they will be able to make or create terms that are more suitable to the businesses operating in rural communities and they'll be in charge so they understand the whole value chain from starting the whole debt facility to getting the payment back from the consumer. They understand the whole value chain. So this will play a big role in developing financing service that is more suitable to these businesses. And I'm proud to say that uh, we just got uh, registration for this facility last week with the Registrar of Companies. So it will be one of the key innovations that will contribute towards driving these businesses forward. So yeah, financing has been a challenge and we thought we'll have to do something about it. Yeah, that's great because you do hear so much about the the importance of local financing. So that's an exciting initiative. I'll definitely keep an eye on it. And I guess over the last 10 years, I mean, it's an amazing journey you've been on from wanting to be a medical doctor to changing your mind and wanting to work in clean energy and green energy instead. What has surprised you most about working in the energy access or the, the solar industry? 
<laughs> this is a very interesting question, actually. Um, I would say it's the pace that the governments are taking to transform their countries into energy-sufficient countries. Because from what I see, maybe because I've been in this sector for so long, and maybe some people who are, have that opportunity to be in the government sector, they haven't really learned the same stuff. But I think it's possible to move people out of energy poverty, at least to achieve access to basic energy. It's possible. But to date, the majority are still struggling, are still using traditional means of energy sources in their homes. To me, I still find it very interesting part of the whole sector, I would say. And also even the consumers themselves, it takes time for them to really make that shift of mindset to acquire a clean energy solution. I find that very, very interesting. It's a very interesting challenge. Probably maybe people have to do a bit of more research to see how this can be tackled. But still having 10% of people having access to clean energy is still, it's very interesting for me, to be honest. Yeah. And it seems like it's very much about that education piece that you were speaking about earlier, the need to increase education and information around clean energy and solar energy and to make that the normal rather than the new and risky approach. Yeah. Actually, the education part is not just on the consumers, I think. Uh, it has to go even to policymakers. They need to mm-hmm. fully understand uh, how this can contribute towards improving lives of people. So, yeah, we need to look into the government side as well. We need to see how best we can help. And Sunny Money and Solar Raid has, from my understanding, historically been most involved in lost mile communities and the more difficult to reach areas. How do you think about where to set up a base, an office, or which communities to go into to try and sell your solutions? So first thing we're looking at the population density. We need to reach everyone, but to be honest and true to ourselves, that it will take a long, long time to reach the last dot. So we look into where we can reach more people easily. Two, also looking at the income levels of people in the regions where we are going. We will need to try to make sure that whatever approach we take, it should still make some level of economic sense that will be able to sustain these operations in these regions. Otherwise, we'll just go dump systems, come back and never be able to go back. So we need to be in an area where at least there's some active economic activities happening. Also support, because we can't do all these things on our own, as I mentioned earlier on. So we're looking at existing structures in these regions that can help us to sustainably operate in these regions. That's why we had to go and have an MOU with the Ministry of Education, because we know that schools are everywhere and strategically located, and pretty much every population is reached through these schools. So that's why it made total sense for us to have a long-term relationship with our Minister of Education. So those are some of the factors that we consider before we make a decision to go into an area. Great. That certainly makes sense. And with your partnership with the Ministry of Education and with schools as well, can you tell us more about how that relationship and that partnership works? The education sector or the Ministry of Education has divided the country into what they call educational zones. And each zone has between 10 to 20 schools from one zone. And in the zone, they have what they call primary education advisor. In short, we call that pair. So under pair, we have head teachers. So through this MOU, it helps us to use the teachers development centers as distribution points. And the pairs, they help us to 
mobilize the head teachers and other teachers in their zones to have information meetings where we share with them about the new developments, new products, and also some changes in the model. And this team, like head teachers, they take that message to the community members. So this is the working relationship that we have with Ministry of Education. It's more of tapping into their structure and systems to accelerate the dissemination of information to consumers. It seems like an incredibly powerful and valuable partnership to have. Were you involved in developing that partnership with them? And how was that process? Yeah, I was involved. So first of all, we looked at the activities that we are doing ourselves and the gaps. We created a report and proposed partnership with Ministry of Education. And we approached them. They were happy with our proposal and they opted to have an MOU. So we went into the process of discussing and agreeing uh, roles and responsibilities of both parties, and we signed an MOU. And as you look back on the last 10 years you've spent with Sunny Money, what do you consider to be your greatest achievement? And as you look forward to the next, say, five years, what are you most excited about for the coming years? Uh, So I'd say to have the current business model, I find that as one of the greatest achievements because it has taken into consideration a lot of things that we've gone through ourselves over the years. I was heavily involved in the initial conceptual phase to come up with this model of moving from um, selling a solar light to selling a business model, but still accelerating energy access in rural areas, that is reaching more people with solar light. So the conceptualization phase, I was involved Uh, Now that it is actually working and we have got investors or other entrepreneurs coming in, actually investing in it, putting their money on the line, trusting this model, I take that as a a big, big initiative. And the registration of FEBCO as well, uh, Financing Energy Business Cooperative, this was actually my idea that I thought how we could could help. And I sold this to the entrepreneurs working with them and other fellow members of staff, and it was liked. And now we're talking about a registered financing institution. I also take that as a big achievement. I see the next five years to be very exciting. Of course, personally, I have big dreams. I would like to see making a substantial contribution towards energy access in Malawi. I would like to shift big volume of both the, the solar lights that we are selling, the home systems, and also moving up to the productive use systems. So I see that there's still lots of exciting stuff that we need to do in the next five years. But reaching more people now is the ultimate goal. That's wonderful. I I think that's a lot of exciting developments and really looking forward to see how that financing facility develops. And Sunny Money also operates in Zambia and Uganda as well. Can you tell us about those partnerships? Do you work a lot with the teams in Zambia and Uganda or is each country quite separate? Each, each country is separate. We do our own stuff, actually. But what's common is we are all operating under the umbrella of Sorahead, having same objectives, but just have different approach to suit different country perspectives. So we are now in um, the phase where we are reviewing our new strategy for the next 10 years. So we're looking more into aligning our activities a bit more. And our focus is, is shifting more towards innovation, learning, and developing models that then we can also share with other partners to replicate at scale. And are you originally from Malawi and Lelongwe? 
And actually, I'm coming from Kata Bay. I was born in Kata Bay, along the lake. So if you want to come and swim, my village is very close <laughs> to the lake. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's where I come from. But now right. I'm based in uh, Lilongwe. And was that also an off-grid community? And was that part of your motivation and interest, as you mentioned, in bringing solar energy and green energy to other inhabitants within Malawi? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been brought up using kerosene lamps. My parents have been brought up using the same thing. So when they mentioned about the problems, I didn't need someone to come in and explain what are those problems. I had exactly right. an idea of what they were talking about. So I went through it. We'd like to ask a few more questions about your background or you as a person. And these are just fairly short, hopefully lighthearted questions. So if someone is looking to get involved in the off-grid solar space or the energy access space, what advice would you give them? I think it's to be patient. To be patient, but keep on innovating. Don't stop thinking because the problems are so diverse and you meet things that probably haven't met before. And if you're not patient enough, you end up either pulling out of the market or completely giving up. So it's just to be very, very patient and continue thinking and innovating to find the right piece of work that can help. And has there been someone within the industry or outside the industry who has particularly inspired your work and motivated you to work in solar? Yeah, I think I uh, said there are so many people, but I'll mention the guy I mentioned earlier on, David Giluli. He did fantastic work to sell the idea to me in the first place, uh, such a way that I was able to understand and get convinced to take part. And the other one is most kind of like internal in the organization now, Jeremy Regan, that's the founder of Solar Sanctuary and Solar Aid, and to come up with this fantastic idea of setting up charity and business to all run together to fight this problem that we're having right now. I see that to be very fascinating. Fantastic. If you had a message to share with our listeners, what would that be? I think it's just to call for people out there who have some resources, knowledge to contribute towards accelerating energy access in Africa, in Malawi in particular, the better. For us now, we are at the level where we have got the model on the on the ground. I've seen a few models on the ground that we're working on and... Um, we really need different skills to come in. So there might be some few guys there, especially those financial management skills. I say, oh, can you help your guys in this way and that way? I think those things will make significant contribution. So it's just a matter of kind of like making that big call that there's a need. We need to get people out of energy poverty. Absolutely. And do you have any books that you recommend to our listeners? They don't have to be off-grid or solar related, but maybe some of your favorite books or movies, TV shows, <laughs> anything like that. <laughs> uh, to be honest, like I've enjoyed reading uh, Brew Ocean Strategy. So, <laughs> this is a book by Chan Kim and uh, Rain Bond. They're talking more of thinking outside the box, really. Don't think about competition, think about innovation, you know, find uh, space where you're not competing with anyone, but you're creating things that people really want. So I find this book very interesting, and uh, it has also shaped the way I look into things. Great. And what do you do when you're not working? I love football. I'm a big Manchester fan. (laughs) (laughs) So having a cup of tea, watching Manchester winning, perfect. That's every day. (laughs) Sounds great. And our final question, what are your predictions for the off-grid solar sector for the next five years? It will expand very fast. Products will get cheaper. More people will afford the systems. And also there'll be more and more very interesting business models coming out of it. And I see it being one of the areas that more financiers will put their money on because it's such an industry with a huge potential. Fantastic. 
Well, Brave, thank you so much for joining us on Distributing Solar. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you very much. And thanks for making time for me to be part of this discussion. Thank you. That was our conversation with Brave Mahoney from Sunny Money. If you have any questions or comments, please visit us on our website at www.distributingsolar.com. We have notes from our podcast, useful sources and contact details available. Thanks for listening and join us next time when we speak with Tanya James and Piper Foster Walder talking about maintenance software for microgrids.